Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning and you'd find two places with me today. The first is 1 Samuel chapter 12 as we are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. But also find Luke chapter 23. And as you're finding those this morning, our sermon uh, title is Defining Moments. Defining Moments Lead to Defining Choices. Um, When you think about defining moments in your life, there are probably some good ones and some not so good ones. You can probably remember the first time you held uh, one of your children after they were born and the amazing feeling. And then as some of you know from the last year, as you have grandkids for the first time, you know, that that defining moment in your life. Uh, some of you remember the first time you met your spouses and thought, wow, right? Uh, there a few years ago, I, uh, I got on a really big Everybody Loves Raymond uh, kick. And uh, he had a very different um, feeling about meeting Marie for the first time. He said, I had a still small voice that told me to run away, but I didn't listen. And now I have to listen to a great big voice every day. And so uh, that defining moment in that television show was not positive. Hopefully today you can remember the moment that you got saved, that the Spirit of God convicted you and you repented. Maybe you can remember the day that one someone in your family heard the cancer word for the first time. Maybe you are like me and remember when as a kid you lost a loved one for the first time that you really cared about. Defining moments. We all have them as individuals. We have them in our marriages. We have them in our families. We have them in our church. For you that have been here a long time, you probably remember the first time you ever had services in this building. If you've been here even longer than that, you uh, would have to be a little older, but you remember the first time you had services in the old sanctuary. And some of you even remember maybe the last, not the first sermon in the little white church, but the last sermon and the last service there, those defining moments in your life. And so today I want to show you that the children of Israel were at a defining moment in their lives. But also, I want to show you how there were two thieves on a cross next to Jesus. And I want to show you the significance because most of you would say the defining moment in a criminal's life would be the moment they got caught. Right, the moment they got convicted. But for one of those two thieves on the cross, the defining moment of his life was meeting Jesus. And the other one's defining moment of his life was rejecting Jesus. And so today I want you to know that wherever you've been, whatever those spiritual victories, those spiritual defeats in your life are, those defining moments, I believe that each day God gives you an opportunity to choose. And so today I want you to stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word. We're going to read a few of the verses from last week just so that we understand the context of 1 Samuel chapter 12. And the reason we're in 1 Samuel chapter 12 is because it came after chapter 11. Amen. So in verse 13, the Bible says, Now therefore, 
Here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you, as it was your father. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. That's their defining moment, and listen to the choice they make here in verse 19. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Pray with me. Father, today we thank you for your love and grace and mercy to us. Lord, I'm thankful that you make yourself known to us. Father, thank you for first loving us. Father, today I pray that no matter what each individual is going through in this place today, whether it is a defining moment, Lord, that is a blessing, or Lord, it is a defining moment as a trial, that, Lord, you would show them today that the choice they make to respond will make all the difference. And so, Father, I pray today for the lost, pray for the hurting, Lord, whatever needs to be done in this place today, that you would do it for your glory. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. And so think of this. Samuel once again tells them, you're getting a king whom, who has chosen? You have chosen. You have wanted this. And God said, I'll give it to you. And he says, to prove to you that what you have done is not what God wanted for you, I am going to have a sign from heaven. It's going to thunder. It's going to rain. It is going to be a supernatural act here, a prophetic word to remind you of what you have done. You see, that is a defining moment if you're standing there and Samuel says, I'm going to ask God to do this. I'm sure there were some people there that thought, that's not going to happen. I'm sure there were some people there that thought it doesn't matter if it does happen. What's a little thunder and rain? And then there were some people that thought, oh my. And what happens? He prays and the Lord answers. That would have been a defining moment in their life. And today, I want you to know whether it's loss or the blessing of God or God is at work in your marriage or you've, you've, you've gone through a great trial, a tribulation. Friends, you are in a defining moment. Most of you remember the, the highs of your life and the lows of your life. But most of us just don't randomly remember Tuesdays usually, right? Well, it was just an average Tuesday, got up, went to work, you know, ate lunch, went home, you know, didn't do anything. Those aren't the days in 30 years that you'll remember usually. 
Now, when you get to a certain age, it seems like you remember all the useless stuff, right? And can't remember anything that you're supposed to. But you'll remember the day that your mom or dad died. You'll remember what it was like to walk your daughter down the aisle. You'll remember what it was like to hopefully watch one of your grandchildren get saved. Those defining moments in our lives. And listen to their response here today. Because I want you to to show you that you have a choice to make. They had a choice to sin against God. They had a choice to request this king. But yet God says, that's not the end of the story. And listen to what it says in verse 19. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. You see, in that moment of great trial, they turned to the Lord. Not just a, a, a little bit. They said, beg God, pray to God that he would spare us. And you say, well, Jake, why, why is this, do you feel, a real turning to God? Because of the last part of that sentence. They didn't blame it on Samuel. They didn't blame it on someone else. They said what? Because we have added to all our sins. You see, you have to admit that you are a sinner. You have to be willing to come to God and say, Lord, I am a Christian, but I have messed up. Lord, I've never been saved, but I know that I'm a sinner. You see, friends, you cannot get right with God. You cannot turn from your wicked ways unless you turn. You see, repentance is different than being sorry. Many people are sorry when they get caught. All of us are sorry when we get caught. If it doesn't bother you to get caught doing wrong, you are a complete rebel. I don't like to be caught doing things wrong, but I am. No one has ever been pulled over by a police officer and said, Oh, I hope I get two tickets. Right? I hope I get a speeding ticket. I hope I get a seatbelt ticket. It's like that person who was driving through Chicago went through a red light camera and for sure it was on green. Saw the picture take off and thought, There's no way I went through that on red. Circled back around, went through the intersection, took a picture again. Thought this isn't going to happen, proceeded to drive that intersection seven times total. And so I went through on green every time. A few weeks later, the individual got seven seatbelt tickets in the mail. Right? That's not how we are. We don't, we don't want more. But friends, there is a difference from being sorrowful that you got caught and sorry against sinning against God. And what we see in most of our lives is not a repentance because we've wronged God. It's because there are consequences from our sin. You see, friends, you know how what repentance looks like when it's a God thing is, is when God convicts you and you turn and no one else knows about it. It's those sins that no one else ever would know that you commit. That thoughts that you had, that slip up that you had, no one else knows about it. I don't have to repent for that. I don't have to confess that. Friends, It's in those moments when God gets a hold of you and you repent that you know that it is a God-sized work. And what we should be praying for 
is for God to do a God-sized work. And friends, in those moments, that is when God begins to work. God begins to deal. God begins to do things. And so I want you to go to Luke chapter 23 this morning. Because as we look at the, the death of our Lord, there's very much some similarities here. After the Lord dies on the cross, as we know, uh, uh, there is a supernatural uh, uh, event. There is, there is uh, two thieves on the cross. And I want to read this and walk through this story with you today. Because just like the children of Israel had a choice to make, these two individuals had a choice to make, and you and I have a choice to make. It starts in this story, very familiar, you all know it, in verse 27. And right after this has been taking place, uh, Jesus is going to the cross, and uh, Simon has um, uh, helped carry the cross. And listen to what it says in verse 27. And a great multitude of people followed him, and women who also mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren, wombs that never bored, and breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the greenwood, what will be done in the dry? Goes on and says, there were also two others criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Now, we don't know exactly who these individuals were that were following behind Jesus. We don't know if they were paid mourners. We don't know if they were family of the, of the criminals. We don't know if they were some of, of those who loved Jesus. We don't know. We don't know for sure. It doesn't specifically say here. There is a lot of thoughts and maybe some evidence in other places. But what we see here is that Jesus tells us something. As brutal as the crucifixion is going to be, as, as horrible as it, it is going to be for him, he says, don't weep for me. Be worried about who? Yourselves. Why? You see, I believe that Jesus Christ was fully God and fully man, but he knew that something was going to happen after three days. He knew that he wasn't going to stay dead. Why? Because the Bible says for the foundation of the world, it was planned that Jesus Christ was going to come and die for sinners and that he was going to conquer sin and death and the grave. You see, the choice is not what is best for God because God is God. God wants you to choose today to respond to Him, to love Him, to prepare your hearts for Him. The defining moment in this story is the fact that Jesus is walking, is carrying this cross, someone is helping Him, two other thieves are going to what is the most horrific death in human history. And Jesus says, don't weep for me. Verse 34 should be one of your favorite verses in all of the Bible. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And we're going to look at that next week. 
And it goes on and says there, And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And the inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. You see, just like in the passage in 1 Samuel chapter 12, these people heard from God and turned from their sins. These people are in the presence of God and what? Choose to reject Him and to mock Him. You see, for them, it wasn't a defining moment because they weren't on the cross. And most of you and me and I, we don't think it's a big deal because we don't think it affects us today. How many of you are planning on dying today? Any hands? No, right? No matter how old and decrepit you are, right? I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying wherever you're at on that scale... Almost all of us really do believe that tomorrow we're going to wake up. We believe that. But if we knew that today would be it, it'd be different, wouldn't it? If today was it, what would you do? Some of you would stay home with family and friends. Some of you would get to church for the first time ever, maybe. Want to talk to a spiritual leader, uh, someone who could share what it takes to get to heaven. Maybe some of you would try to make things right with people that you love, that your relationships have fallen out with. It would look different than it does today. Right? Most of you are here to church, stay for Sunday school, or you should, and, uh, and you're going to find somewhere to eat. You're going to go home, probably take a Sunday afternoon nap. Half of you will come back to play practice. You know, it'll be the same thing you've done, the same routine, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if today you had a defining moment, everything would change. If you got a call and said, hey, your son or daughter's been in an accident. You'd be rushing to whatever hospital they were in. Maybe today, you as a grandparent get a call from your daughter saying, we're going to have another one. And everybody in the world would be happy except for my parents, I think. But anyway, no, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Right? That would change your day. It would be a defining moment. You'd say, well... It, She's due in seven and a half months. We got to get to the store. We got to start buying baby clothes, said every grandma in the world, right? It would define and it would change the choices that you make. And so for these people, they mocked God. They mocked this man on the cross because for them, it didn't matter. It didn't affect them. But I want to tell you that there were two people on those crosses. It affected them. They weren't getting off. They weren't going to get down. There was nothing else they could do. And listen to how the defining moment in their life brought them to a choice that would change their eternity. Look what it says in verse 39. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. 
You see, he wanted to be off that cross. He wanted life to go back to what it was. He didn't want to be saved from his sin. He wanted to be saved from his punishment. He wanted to be saved for the fact that he got caught. And friends, you need to be very careful today because all of us can feel guilty about being caught. All of us can come to God and say, Lord, if you will get me out of this, I'll never do that again. If you've never said that, you're a liar. Right, Lord, if you just heal my grandchild, Lord, I'll, I'll never miss church again. Lord, if you'll just fix my marriage, Lord, I'll, I'll, never, I'll, I'll never do that again. We've all been there. But friends, wanting something from God to make your life better is one thing. Wanting God because of who God is is another. And one of those two will make you right with God. You see, the thief didn't want to die on that cross. Rightfully so. No one would willingly want to hang there. No one would willingly want to go through that. No one would, would want, to, want, want to go through that just because they had to. Unless it was who? Jesus. You see, that thief wanted his life to get better. And if that meant Jesus doing it, great. If that would have meant the Pharisees, great. If that would have meant the Roman ruler, great. But listen to the other thief. But the other one answering rebuked him saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done what? Nothing wrong. And then Jesus said to him, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Friends, today I want to challenge you whether the defining your moment that you're going through is pain or prosperity. Whether the moment that you are going through today is desperation or abundance. Whether the moment that you are going through today is betrayal or faithfulness. Whatever the circumstances that have brought you to the moment of decision are not what is important. The response that you have is. You can't control if other people are faithful. All you can control is if you are faithful. You can't control other people's relationship with the Lord. All you can control is your relationship with the Lord. You can't control sometimes your health. Sometimes you can't control the situations that happen. But these two thieves did what? They put themselves in this mess. The children of Israel in 1 Samuel put themselves in the mess. And I'm thankful that even when I put myself in a mess, that God is still willing to hear. And that God is still willing to forgive. 
You see, I believe some ends are here today and you are so beat down by the mistakes of your past that you are unable to be who God wants you to be today. I believe there are some ends here today that can't be who God wants you to be because you refuse to acknowledge the mistakes that got you where you are today. You see, one thief didn't care about his sins. He just wanted to be set free. And one thief recognized that he was a sinner. And that Jesus was the Son of God. That he was blameless. You see, that's why we believe, if you've ever been to vacation Bible school, in the A, B, C's, right? You admit that you are a... You believe that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is. The Son of God. Born of a virgin. Lived a perfect life. Died upon the cross for your sins and mine. Was buried and rose again. But it's admit, believe, and confess. Because the Bible says confess with your mouth. And so we see on the cross here. That he admits that he deserved to be there because of his sin. That he believed and feared God. And then he says, Lord, remember me. You see, I believe that this thief was saved. And I believe when Jesus said today, you will be with me in paradise, that's exactly where he is. But I do not believe that about the other thief. I believe the other thief rejected Jesus Christ, died, and is going to spend an eternity in hell. I'm guessing both of them were the same distance from Jesus. Both of them were on the same kind of cross as Jesus. They were both there for the same crime as each other. But yet one took the defining moment of his life and met Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And the other one took the defining moment of his life with an opportunity to be saved, but was not. You see... Whatever it took to put him on that cross really didn't matter. You see, for that one thief, all of eternity is going to be this. <laughs> what I meant for evil, <laughs> God used for what? Good. And the other thief on the cross for all of eternity is going to think, what I meant for evil, God meant for good, but I said no. You see, friends, the defining moments of our life are to bring us to a point of response to God. Listen to what it goes on and says in verses 44 through 49 as I quickly come to an end. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out, with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breast and returned. You see... It doesn't say that they were upset and turned to God. It just says they were upset. The one man said he glorified God. You see, these people witnessed the same thing 
saw the same miracle. Just like the Israelites saw the clouds and the thunder and the rain, they saw this, this natural phenomenon that was a supernatural work of God as evidence that God was involved. And friends, God might not rain when you pray just because you ask for a sign. But I can promise you that God has given you everything necessary to know that He loves you, that He wants a relationship with you, that He has a purpose and a plan for your life, and it is all consumed in this book. No one will die, stand before God, and say, Lord, you didn't try. You didn't try. And so today I want to encourage you. I want to beg with you. I want to plead with you to turn your eyes from the situation that you find yourself in to the Savior who wants you to make a choice for Him. You say, Jake, I'm already saved. That doesn't apply to me. Maybe today here you're trying to decide in your heart whether you're going to keep unforgiveness or you're going to forgive. Um. You know, I've, I've been the pastor for nine and a half years now almost, and, and uh, I've had vomit of the mouth a lot. And so, um, you know what, see what you get. If you like it, great. If you don't, find someone else. But um, this week I had a defining moment. Uh, as Brother Tim was preaching, um, the Lord began to deal with me about the fact that, Jake, you have people fatigue. And you might not have ever had people fatigue, but as a pastor it's pretty hard to love people, to shepherd people, if you don't want to be around. It had got so bad that when we are invited to certain functions, if there are going to be multiple families there, I refuse to go. Because I don't know. This person might not like me. These people might have been talking bad about me. This person might be angry with me. And so literally, if I don't know who's going to be there or can control the situation like a Sunday, I'm not going. And so if you've invited us to something and we've said, no, I am sorry. But literally, I had no desire, Lord, you're fine. You're never the problem. <laughs> and the Lord had to deal with me sitting right there this week and say, Jake, you're going to have to grow up, get over it, forgive, and move on. Now, I know you never have a problem like that. You walking into a restaurant and speaking to someone and then not speaking back, that wouldn't bother you, right? Walking on a soccer field and speaking to someone and then not speaking back, that wouldn't bother you, right? I, I know that, right? That wouldn't bother you. Going uptown and someone talking to you about how awful you are and how terrible you are, that, that wouldn't bother you. Or I know that, but it bothers me. It bothers me when people spread rumors about my wife and it gets back to me. Now, it doesn't bother you, but it bothers me. And I can tell you for the last year and a half, it has gotten worse, it's gotten worse, and in my heart it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse, right? Not with you, with me. And I sat right there one night this week and thought, people just stink. And God had to deal with me, not you. I'm sure no one else fell under conviction last week, but I did, okay? And God had to say, Jacob Gray, I died for the sins of the whole world. Who do you think you are? And so I had to repent. Now I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm still probably not going to anything you invite me to. Just so you know. Because I got right with God. But I still haven't, I haven't grown out of that yet. Okay. 
We've all got our crosses to bear. But today I want you to know that whether the situations are awful or they are blessings, turn your eyes off the situation and turn them to the Savior. Joshua told the children of Israel some of the most profound words in Joshua chapter 24. And I want to read them for you this morning, starting in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, what's that word? Choose. Choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, what does it say? We will serve the Lord. Friends, today, whatever defining moment this last year has brought into your life, and it might not just been one event, it might have been a cumulative of events. It might have been this one and then this one and this one. And now it's just snowballed and you're thinking, it can't get any worse. Trust me, friends, it can get worse. <laughs> you say, Jake, I've had the best year of my life. I've been more blessed. I don't know if you know this or not. And, and, but the church has never cut my pay this year during a pandemic. I haven't been laid off. I mean, the church has, has blessed me more than I could ever imagine. And guess what the government decided to do? They thought it would be a good idea to send my family like $19,000. You all laughed at me having kids. Now look who's laughing. <laughs> I don't need it. We're going to give it away, a bunch of it. We're going to save a bunch of it. But literally, it makes no sense. My kids are going to pay for it, and their kids are going to pay for it. But friends, I'm telling you something. It might have been the best year you've ever had. I mean, I'm not going to send it back to him, right? Amen? <laughs> Dirty government. But anyway, it might have been the best year you've ever had. You, you might have had grandkids. You might have had uh, all these blessings. But never let the blessings or the trials become your focus. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you're going to turn to. Don't just be sorry. Don't just be celebrating. Get right with God. There's only one way to do that. That's through Jesus Christ. He died for you. I believe the Bible teaches unapologetically that he died for the sins of the whole world. I believe that and I will believe that until the day the Lord takes me home. And if I'm wrong, he can correct me there. Friends, God loves you wants to save you from your sins and today if he's already saved you from your sins and you've never told anybody he wants you to let the world know what he's done in your life maybe today you're here saying jake i'm saved but i'm just like you i got people fatigue maybe it's even more specific maybe it's marriage fatigue maybe it's in-law fatigue maybe it's church fatigue I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're struggling with. Maybe you and your family are battling cancer and you just don't think you can go anymore. 
Maybe you've lost your job during the pandemic. It's been the worst financial year of your life. And you don't know if you're ever going to be able to pay the bills. I have no idea what it is. But don't let the defining moments that God has brought into your life to not bring you to him. And so today, that's my challenge. Make a choice. You say, well, Jake, I'm not going to choose because I'm not going to die today and I'll wait till tomorrow. You can do that. But the Bible says tomorrow is promised for no man. Don't be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priest and watch Jesus display his love on the cross for you today and say, if you could save others, save yourself. Be like the thief. And say, Lord, today I'm a sinner. Lord, today I believe that you are who you said you are. And today, remember me, Lord. Father, we thank you so very, very much for who you are. Lord, I pray today that if I've said or done anything that was contrary to your will or to your word, Lord, that you would forgive me. Lord, I pray that I've been able to say everything that you wanted me to say and not to say the things that my flesh want to say. Father, I pray that you would work and move in this altar call, that people would be saved, that lives would be changed. Lord, we thank you for the three baptisms in the next service. Lord, we pray that you'd work in Sunday school, Lord. But right now, we pray specifically for this time of invitation, that your people would do business with you, and that, Lord, lost people would be under conviction and know that they can be found and saved by you. Father, we're going to give you all the glory and praise no matter what happens. In Jesus' name. We just would like to thank you for watching today's sermon. And we pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.